So today we got a message on God, okay? We're going to be involved in it, but we're going to look at God. And we're going to have an encouraging word today. I know we've had some heavy stuff. I always think they're encouraging, but, you know, what I think is encouraging, you may not. You know, like, well, that was heavy. But today is uh, an encouraging word. We're looking at God as this title, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, okay? Now, I say to some of you, maybe the men, when you see mercies and comforts, like, you start to groan, like, oh, if you've been around the block a few times, you know better. But we're going to look at some, a little bit of word studies on this, won't be boring, but we're going to see how um, it's much bigger God is so much bigger than we think he is. Now, do you agree that the word will, the world, not the word, the world will kick you in the stomach? The world will hit you in the back of the head. Uh, The world will knock you down, and when you're feeling down, the world will leave you there, right? There's not always an encouraging word coming out of the world, and there's not always an encouraging word coming out of the mouths of young people, right? So this is a message for young people because you guys get told things that discourage you, right? Right? I got it one head nod. <laughs> He's not going to stop looking at me until I give a head nod. That's my own daughter. Middle-aged people, right? You get discouraging words. Older people get discouraging words. We all get discouraging words, and we also give them. That's a fact. We give discouraging words. Well, today we're going to see about God as our encourager and in what he calls us to do for each other. Okay, so there'll be a little bit for us on this at the end, too. But as we look at this, we see that God is our Father... And he's a father of mercies, which we're going to get into us a little bit. The correct word really is compassion. When you look at Hebrew and Greek, a lot of times they have various meanings depending on how you're using them. But I want you to understand the idea of also God is a God of compassion. Because the world will tell us otherwise. And they'll say God's, God's angry and God's out to get us. But God is a God of compassion. And we declare that in this house today. God is a God of compassion. And he is a God of all comfort. The actual word is... And, it, and it's most basic is God is a God of encouragement. Comfort, some of you can handle comfort. I'm from the South. We know about Southern comfort and not the alcohol. But we know about Southern comfort and hospitality. But sometimes the word comfort just makes me think someone wants to put a blanket around me and rock me, you know. But encouragement, that's, that's explosive. We so need encouragement today. And God is a God of compassion and encouragement. So do, do you guys need encouragement at this point in life, yeah. everything the world's been showing to you, we need encouragement. So I'm standing here today. This is just as much for me as it is for you, and I hope that we get a lot out of it. We've asked that God will bless it. They will open our minds and hearts to receive this. As we go a little bit further, I want you to think about, so compassion. Here's some words that are the opposite of compassion. Indifference, hard-heartedness, cruelty. Sometimes your experience in life may tempt you to think that God is indifferent, He may care about them, but he doesn't care about me. Some people may have some experiences where they start to think God is outright cruel and hard-hearted towards us. If it's never happened to you, it can, depending on what's going on in your life. But true compassion is sympathy, tenderness, and kindness. So let's refute the lies today. We have a God who is all about sympathy, okay? He is sympathetic to your plight and what you're going through. He is sympathetic to how you were raised, how you're treated at your job. He's sympathetic to how your spouse treats you, how your parents treat you, how your kids treat you. God is sympathetic to what you're going through. Isn't that nice to hear? He is. Thank you, Father, that you're sympathetic. He is tender, and he's kind. And he's telling you that today. I am tender and kind. Don't believe the lies, and don't let the lies keep you from God and whatever you're going through. All right, encouragement. The opposite of encouragement is a hindrance. A deterrent, gloom, and annoyance. Do you agree to that? We got a lot of that, don't we? You know, when you have um, discouragement coming in on you, it is a hindrance to moving forward. You get stuck or you go backwards, okay? Um, It's a deterrent for what God wants to do in your life. There's a subtleness of gloom. It's really troubling to me when I feel the congregation has like a spirit of gloom on it. So gloom, annoyance. Annoyance is a funny word because as we start to examine this, sometimes people coming to you can bring gloom and annoyance, right? Can a brother or sister in Christ come to you and bring a message of gloom and annoyance? Yeah. Sometimes they mean to, sometimes they didn't even know they were doing it, but they left you feeling worse than when they arrived. That's just a reality, so we can admit that today. Because we might be the one 
that's bringing on the gloom and annoyance, okay? So before we go a little bit further, a little history on this. Paul is speaking to the Christians at Corinth, and it's mainly the Roman province in Greece. So it's a big area that he's covering, and they have had a checkered past together, Paul and the Corinthians, and it's not Paul's fault. We're looking at 2 Corinthians, but it's really probably 4th letter that's written to him, a back and forth. He established a church there. He was their spiritual father. He loves them, but as he leaves to go other places, they need to take up their own mantle of leadership and their own responsibility. And when it was their turn, they allowed false teachers to get in, false teachers that maligned Paul and turned them against Paul. And it so frustrates me when you see someone come into the mix and start doing that, but the, 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 the congregation sits around silently they don't like it, but they don't say anything. And it appears they weren't saying anything. So Paul has had a two steps forward, one step back with this congregation. He's working with them. He's loving on them. And then they're accusing him and maligning him. But today, think about this. He's still hanging in there. Because that's what God's going to ask for us to do with the, with the tasks that he's given us. We're not always just going to be there to encourage the people we like and that are doing what we like. God has us there to encourage everybody. And we're going to have some people that we may not like who burned us like they burned Paul, but it was an excuse to keep our mouth shut. Okay, So think about that as you see Paul going back and forth and what he's saying in this letter. The letter opens up, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right off the the bat, Paul's doing the proper thing in the letter of the day, and he's greeting them. He's making it clear that, uh, just as a reminder, I'm doing this by the will of God. Okay, sometimes I feel like that. I didn't ask for this. God said to do it. So he's there by the will of God, and he's speaking to the church of God. So a reminder today, as we sit here today, you're not at your church. You're not at my church. We have a title of Compass Bible Church, but we're at the church of God today. This is God's church. So hear the words spoken through Scripture through the lens of Scripture and what God wants, not what we want, okay, or what we don't want. So he's speaking to them. He says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So lock in on this one. We have prayed for younger people today. We prayed that you would not see Christianity as an old person thing. And that whatever I'm saying here today, that's for the old people. They don't know, so I'm going to try to work hard to include you guys. But we have already prayed for you if you're younger. Everybody got covered, but we said something extra for the young people. So you won't think this is an old person thing. okay? Because you know what goes on in school around your peer group and the things that get said. Things said to you and things you overhear. But before we go any further, God is our Father. That's what we stand on today. So we have a father who is kind and loving. He knows our needs. He is sympathetic to our needs. He's a God of mercy and comfort and encouragement. And he's our father only because he's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus, you have the name title of Christian because you're covered by the blood of Christ, God is your father. He's your father. And your father is speaking you today a word of encouragement. So we need to remember that. This is Paul speaking on behalf of the Father who gave him this word and this message, even for us today. Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. All right. Yeah, amen. I look at that and you, do you kind of wonder, blessed be God? What? He, he blesses us. How, God, how is God blessed? We need to get in the vernacular of today's world with, with Scripture, understanding some of these words, what they mean to us today. When, just don't gloss over blessed be God. This means he is worthy to be praised. So when Paul says blessed be God, it's like worthy to be praised is God. Let me tell you something, okay, about God. He is praiseworthy. He's worthy to be praised. He is God. Not a leader, not just this title, not a position. He's God Almighty, worthy to be praised. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said again, as we've gone over, he's the Father of mercy, he's God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. So in this word now, he is looking inwardly into you. Okay, We're going to look outwardly in a moment. But right now, as you sit here, God's word is speaking to direct inwardly into you. God is examining you because he wants to help you. Okay, so this is an inward word. And he said that God is a God of mercy. So this is where we're going to look at words just a little bit. Because do you agree that words are important? 
someone comes, blah, 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 blah. well, tell me exactly what she said. What was going on? What, what words were used? And it's important sometimes to stop somebody and ask, when, when you said that, I don't understand what you meant by that word. Could you explain to me what you meant by the word? Because I might be thinking the wrong thing. So God is a God of mercy, as, as the translation I'm using today has. Yours might have something different because it can be. The word for mercy in the Greek is elios. That's not the word used here. Okay? So the, the translators struggle sometimes to find the most appropriate meaning of the word. The actual word is oiktermos. Don't you love that? Oiktermos. I don't love it. It sounds like a pig or something, right? Yeah. And I'm not trying to bore you with this. It's important to catch it because this word properly means compassion. So he's a father of compassion, i.e., example, deep feeling about someone's difficulty or misfortune. Now, you guys know you've got some difficulties, and you know you've got some misfortunes, right? And sometimes you're thinking, God's indifferent to what I'm going through, and he's not. He is in this with us. It's a term used to express the deep feelings God has for all of us. God has deep feelings for you. He's got deep feelings. He knows what you're going through. He loves you, and he powerfully shows and shares in those following him. He shows these deep feelings in those who are following him. All right, are you, are you getting this? Okay, this is a good word. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the father of mercies, plural. You know, you can't even open that up. Mercies, it's not just one. You get one today, Eve. You spent your mercy at 9.15. You saw that? He's the father of mercies, and he's a good God. All right, he's a God of all comfort. Okay, that's, for some of you, it's a memory verse. That's a memory verse of mine. I write it on cards when people are going through things. But it actually comes from a word, paraclesis. Now, that sounds like a parasite, right? You know? But it's a call. It's an urging. I get excited and start to spit, so that's why no one sits up front. It's a call. It's an urging. It's done by someone who, are, who is close to you. All right? So are you establishing the fact today God's saying, I am close to you? Okay, and I'm giving you a call, and I'm giving you an urging with all that you've been going through and all that you are going to go through. He's close beside you in this, okay? And he's giving you a call and an urging. Now, this word, parakaleo, is the base word. I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason, okay? It means para, close beside. God is close beside you. And kaleo, to call, meaning to make a call. God has given you a call. He's telling you today... I'm giving you a call. I just called to say I love you, right? I just called to say how much I care. What a nice call, right? Hit me. I'll pull over on the side of the road and take this call right now. Hold on, God. Let me put it on speaker because I want them to hear it too. God is a God who is going to call us with encouragement and comfort. Think about that. Think about it. What you brought in this house today, what is following you in, which we pray to be knocked off at the door. I think there's all kind of stuff getting knocked off at the door when you try to walk in. Things are trying to walk behind you, trying to weigh you down. It's like, boom! So you got it. They're all moaning around outside. God sent some angels after them. All these things, God is here to encourage. Okay? God is capable and willing to provide all comfort, all encouragement. Now, this is hard to understand. It's hard for me to understand. So if you're struggling with it, just kind of roll with me on this one. God is not limited in his supply of comfort, nor his means of providing comfort. Now, you'll probably, amen, I would sit out there like, oh, preach it, it's good. But do we really grasp this? Because when you get sick, or you get set back financially, you have a, a failure in sin, we start to forget he's the God of all comfort and all encouragement, because things get in the way of that. But he is unchanging. We change. Things happen to us, but he doesn't change. So he's the God of all comfort. You like that? How much comfort? All comfort. How much is all? I don't know. That's pretty big. All comfort. He is the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in our affliction. All right. How many of you speak the word affliction? I don't, I don't use that today. I, I, how are you feeling? I'm feeling quite afflicted today. Can you imagine you're at the store and you're like, how is your day going? I'm afflicted. <laughs> Could you please step behind the barrier, please? The... <laughs> An affliction. Now, I do love this word it comes from. I'll ask you guys to say this. Thlipsis. Thlipsis. Can you say that? 
It means trouble, distress, oppression, tribulation, pressure. Uh, yeah, amen to that, right? Have you had some flipthus lately? <laughs> flipthus, stay away from my door. So God knows that you're being troubled by some stuff today. You've been troubled this week by some stuff. You've been troubled by some people. You've been distressed. You come in here today distressed because you don't know how you're going to find your way out of this. You don't know how you're going to face tomorrow. You feel oppressed. You're going through a lot of pressure. Anybody, anybody can speak. They've been in that queue. I've been standing in that line feeling it, okay? Well, God sees it. Some of you that did, somebody said, God saw that one. He got a double hand on that one. And the word is telling us today that God comforts us in all our afflictions. There's not one that he is not interested in covering today. You look around the people we've got in here, how many afflictions we are being afflicted by today, how many pressures we're under, how many challenges we have, physical challenges, we have emotional challenges, we have relational challenges, we have to make choices about our future, we have all kinds of things going on, and God's got them all, or got them all. Well, how about this one? Got it. How about this one? Got it. I got them all. All. He's got them all. And he's willing to help us. So this is our inward focus, okay? So inwardly, God is speaking to you today. He's saying, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. She may not even know all of it because we don't always tell our spouses everything, do we? We don't. But he knows all of it. And he's like, I, I, I love you. I am full of tenderness and compassion for you. And I want to encourage you today. All right, so that's our inward focus. Is that a good, good word? We've established that, that we are messed up people, that God still called us anyway, and he is perfect and pure and holy, and we are covered by his blood, and he cares about us. He's going to encourage us. All right, but we have a responsibility with it, as always comes in the kingdom of God, right? There's a responsibility. Verse 4 says, so that he does this, so that, not that you just feel so good, not so that you've got a pep in your step, not so that you get the girl, not so that everything works out. Some of that comes along at time. But he said, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he does it so that we can comfort or encourage someone else. That's a responsibility we have because there's a lot of discouragement going on right now. A lot of nasty things being spoken. But God's saying, I have done things in your life, and I want you to recall these things. You can't speak to every situation, but you can represent God and what he's done in your life. And then you speak into the lives of others. He calls us to do this. This is our, our outward focus. Okay, so today here's a reminder for you. We are complaining. We're all complaining, Right? Right, 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 I'll tell you what you're complaining about. We're complaining about masks. We're complaining about pandemics. We're complaining about elections. We're complaining about all kinds of stuff. We are complaining. I am complaining too. But we can't be the voice of complaint and discouragement. We need to speak into stuff and be the voice of encouragement. And God is going to comfort us through this. God is going to encourage us through this. I heard a couple of things going on. Um, Pastor John MacArthur. Okay, he spoke something which is quite controversial in the church I just read. He said that he thinks we should not fight for religious freedom. Isn't that interesting? He said, when you do that, I'm quoting my brother, he said, you're also fighting for idolatry. Because when you fight for religious freedom, you fight for all these other religions to get their piece of the action. You are partnering with the world to ensure that you get your thing. And he said, Christianity has never been stopped in history and it won't be stopped is going to keep moving forward. Now, I'm not saying that everybody will agree with that, but I thought it was a very interesting comment that he said that. Okay? All right. I'm looking at faces. It throws me off when I start to see people like, they're turning to each other and all. Um, an encouraging word, okay? I'm encouraged by what he said to the fact I need to remember who God is and that regardless of what happens, God is going to advance his plan and his kingdom. Okay? Um, Christ Church of the Valley, CCV, they started something, I think it was last year back maybe in October, and I think it was above and beyond tithe where they encourage their congregants to give money to help people in the area who are having mental health issues. They collected over a million dollars, and then they're using that money to, I think, get those who step forward and ask for help, 10 counseling sessions with a Christian counselor. I applaud that. 
I applaud what they're saying. That's a word of encouragement. They realize that there are people out there going through hard times and suicide rates are going up and they did something in a tangible way to get people help. And that's an encouraging word. Thessalonians says, therefore encourage one another and build up one another. We think about that, right? That's a verse. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. I don't think, it's, it's, it's rare that you have the person that's intentionally trying to tear people down. They're out there, and I've met them in the church. That's a rarity. More than likely, we just have people who are so busy about their own needs, they forget that we're supposed to encourage each other and build each other up. I, I quote this verse because it goes back to this word, parakaleo, to comfort, encourage, exhort, urge. I exhort you. It's like, I exhort you, don't drive this car. I exhort you, don't buy it. I exhort you, don't do this. Exhort is a strong word, right? Well, God's exhorting us to encourage one another. You guys hanging? I'm I'm a body language man. I look at people's body language. I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on. This word's important because it comes from a group that also includes paraclesis, which I said earlier, which is discussed um, with comfort, with parakletos, which means an advocate or comforter. Now, is that ringing a bell? Who is the paraclete? The Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're getting into some good stuff here, aren't we? God, Paul's pulling in the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring him in by name in a moment. So he's pulling in the Holy Spirit, and we know we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? Okay, so he's the advocate. He's the comforter. Jesus told us that he would send him to be with us, and we forget. We forget when we watch the news and all this thing that's going on. No matter what happens, the world is not running off the Holy Spirit. The world is not dividing the Holy Spirit out of you. The comforter, the paraclete, is with you to urge you on. To urge you on to keep going forward. This is what God wants us to do. We're to provide comfort and encouragement to each other, especially those who are in affliction. Have you talked to anybody lately who's under pressure? Okay, remember a Queen song about that? Under pressure. Some of you have no idea what that is. That Queen of England sings... There used to be a song, doon, 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 under pressure. And I was like, yeah, I, I can relate to that song. Boy, do I feel under pressure. I'm trying to wake some of them up to get their attention, okay? <laughs> Just ride with me on it. God knows more than anybody how much pressure we're under. With our jobs, trying to pay our bills, trying to, trying to make it to the next week and through the week and raise kids and, and grow healthy marriages. God knows. And he's here to comfort us and encourage us. Oftentimes, he's going to do it through another person. Okay? And you might be that person if you hear the call, the call to encourage others. He goes on to say in verses 5 through 7, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. This gets to be a tongue twister, doesn't it? And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers or participants in our sufferings, so also you are sharers or participants of our comforts. So now Paul is reminding them, they've been talking about him. They've been talking bad about Paul. Some people are false teachers, and they're believing it. They're not standing up for Paul, and they're falling into it. And he's reminding them, I did you no harm. We, Timothy, Sylvanus, we mean you no harm. We're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. God called us to do that, and we've been doing that, and we're actually suffering for that. He's talking about a different kind of suffering now. He's been suffering for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's not giving them a hard time. He's not, now, how, how dare you come at me when I'm serving God? He's just reminding them, I suffer, and you're also sharers in my suffering. See, he's making a connection. We are sharers. You're not in this alone. We're not individuals in the church. We are to be together sharing in sufferings, sharing in sufferings of Christians in other countries who are being persecuted far, far worse than anything we call call persecution. And then he said, but you're also sharers in our comfort or encouragement. He's like, "I I am with you. Church, I'm with you guys. And nothing's changed with me. I'm the same man that I talked to you years ago when we started the church. Okay, I'm in here with you. We are sharers in this. We're in this together through thick and thin until the end. You want some of that? Aren't you tired of trying to figure out, thinking in your head there's got to be more to this? 
Aren't you tired? Have you, have you sat around, have you done your little daily devotional, close your Bible and think, God, there's got to be more to this than just me trying to check my daily devotional and then going to church on Sunday. There's got to be more than this. There is more than this. I want to bring in some, some examples, okay? This, now I'm not going to name names, so don't start getting all sloken down in your seat, embarrassed and all. We had somebody in church who needed to move. And moving's a big stinking deal, isn't it? It's a lot of stress involved before, during, and after. Well, this church member's in a home group, and this home group tries to take the word serious. Home group means family, right? Ohana means family, and that means no one gets left behind. What's that from? Ah, Lilo and Stitch. Thank you, thank you. Just trying to bring in the young people. They're smiling like... But this home group got together and helped the individual move. Knocked it out in two hours. And, and they were called the gray team because they were all gray. <laughs> and nobody, as far as I know, got an acre painter, got hurt because we prayed and we were doing the right thing. God just blessed us in that. Okay, but the church came together for that person. I shared with you that Iva Dobson passed away this week. Okay, Iva had a rough go at the end with her breathing. Now, Iva, many of you don't know her. If you saw her, you'd go, oh, I know who Iva is. She used to come to church here faithfully, but then when the pandemic came, she couldn't come. And then she's on oxygen, and it became problematic to come in wearing tubes and stuff. So she's come off and on. Iva, fantastic lady. But near the end, she really had trouble breathing. It was, it was just so excruciating for her and very uncomfortable. Somebody from our congregation was going in and helping her. And um, it, it's hard to take care of somebody at the end of life when, when they're not quite sure what they're doing and they're trying to climb out of bed and things. We had more than one person. There's many people that, that were over there as I look around at the faces. I just wanted to show you what one person did. I, I asked her, when you stay there at night, how do you do it? Because it looks very hard. And she said, you know what I do? When she wants to get up, I help her sit on the edge of the bed, and then I sit down with her. And I just sit there and put my arm around her. And then after a while, I'll ease the bed to a more comfortable position and ease her back in. I was blown away by that. God, give me somebody when I'm in a position like that that's going to be there just to sit with me. Just to sit with me. And like, I can't change anything you're going through, but I'll go through it with you. And I've had that a lot. Had others that were over there... Um, true friends, and true sisters in Christ. And she's with the Lord now. But they are examples who would share in her tribulation and her suffering. Okay? Paul goes on to say in verse 8, for we do not want you to be unaware. Okay? doesn't want us to be unaware of this. Got everybody's attention? Because Apostle Paul is speaking for God, and God doesn't want you to be unaware about this. Brethren, that of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively, beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, that's Paul speaking. Does it get any more real than that? Suicide rates have been going up. The youth have been robbed of everything they dreamed for in their high school years in our American culture. Everything is geared towards high school. They didn't get their graduation, didn't get the prom, didn't get all this stuff. That's bad enough, but what they've been deprived of are their social interactions, because of limitations that were placed, and it's for, for people's health. I'm not making a comment on that. But when you're isolated from everybody else, and you're only hearing your own thoughts, it can get pretty hard. And things got so hard for Paul that he despaired even of life. Now, we know that he had life, or I would say death sentences placed on him at times, so he had to deal with that, but he even just despaired of life. So if you've been to that place, and I, I have been there before in my early 20s, I share that openly, I despaired of life, that you're not alone, and God knows that, and you can talk about these things. God already knows, and he wants to bring life into that. He wants to exhort you and encourage you. Hold on and work through this. Even Paul, things got so bad that he despaired of life, okay? He said, verses 9 through 10, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. You ever, have you ever felt that way? I hope you all haven't. But to feel that you have the sentence of death within yourself. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. All right, go back to the top and read it again. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet 
deliver us. That, that's some good medicine. That will treat, all medicine doesn't taste good, right? But medicine can be good. God allowed them to go through it so that why, somebody tell me, why were they allowed to go through it? So they wouldn't depend on themselves. Yeah, it is to encourage others. You're right on that one. But we had something new added to the mix. I don't know why you've gone through what you've gone through or will go through or currently going through, myself included. But this scripture says sometimes we're in a bad place because, or what is a tough place, I'll just say, a place of pressure because God is teaching us we have to depend on him and not of ourselves. I don't care what you go through, health, relation, anything, you can learn a lesson through that. It's like, I have to trust in God and not on myself. How many of you would be excited to know that your survival was dependent upon yourself? Yeah, no, I, I want it all on God. And Paul had a testimony that we, he's delivered us before, he'll deliver us again, and I have set my hope on him. Okay, so think about what's been troubling you right now and set your hope on him. Okay, verse 11. You also, now get this, we've been having a message. I'm really pounding on you guys about something, and it's called prayer. And we're going to pound on it again because it's here. I didn't slip it in. You also joining in helping us, helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So Paul goes on to explain all this. God is good. God's got this. God has helped us. And yet, part of the equation has been your prayer. You were praying for us. And because of your prayers, you helped us find deliverance. So it's important that we as a church in the 21st century, we, we get back to some basics and foundation to everything we do is prayer. We need to be praying for the church praying for yourselves. We need to be praying for each other. We need to be interceding when the prayer requests come out to pray for one another. Do you hear this exhortion, this, this, this call to prayer right now from Paul? Are you hearing this? He is saying, pray for each other. Pray for each other in this congregation. Ask Vicky for a directory and, and so you can learn names and stuff and you can go through the list if you want to and pray for people. Um, Join us in there before the service. Pray with us out here on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Come in and we'll pray for others. Pray at your house. Pray, pray, pray. Right? There's another shirt. Pray, 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 and pray some more. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul who was so pressed down, he was to the point of, of death, and he's saying, pray. We need your help in prayer. We saw that with Daniel, that there's a cosmic warfare going on when we pray. Right? Do you remember that if you were here last week? That things happen when we pray. And he said, a so that, here's another so that, not just so they could be delivered, but so that the thanks may be given of many persons. Because the word's going to get out when the deliverance comes and people can give thanks to God. That's a ripple effect. That's a side effect. You pray for somebody, the deliverance comes through one way or another, and then people are giving thanks to God. Not thanks to you, not because you're such an intercessory prayer warrior, but praise God, thanks to God. Thank you, God, for taking care of this. Thank you, God, for taking care of Iva with dear friends from this church who were there ministering to her in a way that was unique and personal and loving. Thank you, God. We praise you. We know they did it on your strength and through your motivation. They were there to encourage her so that many will give thanks. Don't you want to be a part of that, that many people are giving thanks because of something you did? Okay. So verse 12. For our proud confidence is this. Here's, here's what we're proud of. They want to let you know. The testimony of our conscience that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you. You who have maligned us, you who said things bad about us, you who let us be spoken evil of, he doesn't mention any of that. He just says, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand. This, what we've said is what we've said. I don't know what they added to our word, but that's not what we said. We write nothing else to you than what you read and understand, and I hope you will understand until the end. Just as you also partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. So first of all, he's conducting himself in the world with 
holiness and godly sincerity, not as the world operates, not doing the things that people are out there running around doing that we are so good at doing. I know I'm a pro in the world. I can step back into it and it'll come back. You know what I'm talking about? I know how to fight on the world's terms. I know how to use words and actions to get somebody back. I can remember some stuff and bring it up, try to get them. But God said, no, knock it off, Jim. You don't act that way anymore. That's his realm. So we don't do that. That's acting fleshly in the world wisdom. But he said, I conducted myself in holiness and godly sincerity. And that's that's what we want to do. In holiness and godly sincerity. Isn't this freedom? Do you think this is just freedom? We're being allowed and permitted and told you don't have to do it that way anymore. You're not to do it that anymore. I'm going to help you do it in a different way. Do you want to do it in a different way? Do you want it? Do you want it? I feel like a motivational speaker now. This all can be yours and, but really, I do. I want to shout it out. You don't have to shout back, but I want to shout at church. Do we want it? Do we want it? Do we want to be these people? Do we want to be these people? My kids are dealing with school. They probably look at me like, oh, gosh, I wish he'd shut up. We hear it at home. I'm with these girls on the front. We got three girls left in the house, okay? I'm a lone man standing, last man. We got four, including my wife. And I tell you what, they can amen this one. I spend more time. This is not a reflection of you, okay? Just let me go there. Clean up your room. Change that shirt. Go empty the dishwasher. Do some dishes. You did not say that to me now, did you? Turn around, come back. All these things I'm busy saying because I have to, right? I have to. I'm parenting. But I really got to remember. I really got to remember. I have got to remember that I have to say the good things I see happening with them. I have to see the progress and say something. Just as they have to say it to me. We need to be more aware of that instead of beating each other down. You know, with your own families, you, you've, you've got a parent, you've got to do certain things, but we've got to remember we have to, we have to come alongside this and we need to recognize this, the things that are happening in our spouses, the good things that are going on, where we see change uh, and more godliness and we see good things happening. And we need to do it in this family, agreed? Okay, so we've got to work on this. And Paul's saying that because... He's looking future-oriented. He's telling us there's a day like Iva already knows. He's saying there's the day of our Lord Jesus. You're going to be our reason to be proud, and we're going to be your reason to be proud. You know, we're gonna, I, I think we're going to get up there and be so aware of how the church helped us cross the finish line. Now, Jesus is our entrance in through his blood, but we're going we're gonna to get there and have a realization that when I see Diane, I'm going to be like, Diane, oh, we made it. You know, I can remember back that one day, I didn't think I could make it that day. And you said those words to me, you don't even realize it. You made me laugh and it helped me get perspective. You know, could you imagine that when we're in the day of the Lord being future oriented to that day and it's going to come quickly for some of us. We're going to be there and, and then we're going to realize, and I, I, don't you want people to be proud of the relationship you had together, what they gave you and what you gave them? Okay, and we can't do that in isolation. Now, here's a, here's a little goofy part I'm going to read. Scripture's not goofy, but this is how the world gets goofy, and this is how this is so true. This got so piddly at this church that they gave Paul a hard time about his travel plans. Can you believe that? Now, this is, this is real. You've gone through this before when you were in town visiting somebody or something. Um, I read this, and I'm like, well, Paul, maybe you shouldn't have just told him you were going to be there. I used to have a real problem with that. I still do. Like, I'll be there. When's the surgery? I'll be there. And then you realize something pops up and you can't be there. So Paul is recognizing this. I'm going to read through it kind of quick. There's just one thing I want you to take from it. You don't have it on the screen behind you, but listen to this. That it's come that Paul has to address this. Verse 15. He said, In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you, so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia, and again from Macedonia to come to you, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. I was going to come on the way there, and on the way back. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? He says, I was not being indifferent or soft about that. Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, so that with me there will be yes, yes and no, no at the same time. Then he goes on to say, but as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. 
For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes and him. For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore, is through him, therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. All right, so it sounds a little confusing again. What he's basically doing is I didn't do what I said I was going to do. My travel plans didn't work out, okay? Sorry, it didn't work out. There are other things going on. But don't think that makes us a poor witness to you. We still come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and he is always yes and amen. All of God's promises are fulfilled through Jesus, and we need to remember that because we're going to let each other down. We're going to say we'll be there, and something will come up, or we forget, and we're not there. Or we didn't give the encouraging word, but we don't stop, and we don't build a barrier. We keep the bridge there. And that's what Paul's doing. He's, he's like, I didn't amend, intend any harm for you. This is what I meant to do, and it didn't happen. I got it. But we still love you. God is still in charge. Jesus, everything God promises is being fulfilled through Jesus. Okay? All right, we're closing in. Verse 21 to 24. Now he who established us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. But I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you I did not come again to Corinth, not that we lorded over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy, for in your faith you are standing firm. So a couple things here. This is one of those rare passages where you see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There aren't that many, but when someone tells you, well, the Trinity is really not actually in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is one you can go to and see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's reminding all of us today, okay, all of us. You guys still with me? The tempo is going down a little bit. He's reminding all of us that we are sealed in God. It's done. You write a letter, you close the envelope, you drip some wax on it in the old day, and you seal it and it's shut. And only the authority who has permission to open it or the power to open it opens it. If you're here today in Jesus Christ, a reminder, you're sealed in God. Okay? The Holy Spirit in your heart as a pledge, as a deposit, as a guarantee. I have placed my deposit in you because that means it's a guarantee. I'm coming back to get you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. You've been sealed, and there's a pledge, and God's going to come back and get you. No matter what happens in the world, no matter what the world says to you, in Jesus Christ, it is finished, and amen. All of God's promises are done. And Paul is reminding them that. And he's saying, you know, actually the reason I didn't come back at the time was I had, a, I had a bad word for you because of their misbehavior. And he said, I, I spared you that. I spared you that coming at that time. That's pretty honest, isn't it? And then he says, because I want to be there for your joy, standing firm in your faith. And that's what we want today. We want to be able to experience the joy of God, standing firm in our faith, doing what he's called us to do. All right, so here's, here's the final, okay? We are committed in this church to at least five more minutes, so... I get to talk for five more minutes. Here's the homework. Here's the good stuff. Receiving God's comfort. So Christian, if you've reached this place in life that you have trouble receiving God's comfort, please sit back, take the stress off your shoulders, and be open to the Holy Spirit and think about what Paul has told us today. That God has comfort for you and your affliction. God has comfort for you in your affliction. Now, here's where the flesh steps in. The flesh steps in. Some of you are in a place of affliction because you put yourself there. Because you made a sinful choice. A sinful action. This, this is true. This is a part of being human. You're in a bad place and you're suffering for it. And you know that. And that's going to make you not go to God for comfort. Because I knew better when I got myself in this position. And some of you are carrying stuff from years back right now because you got yourself in that position. The good news is we're told in Scripture that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and clean us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so take care of some business from your past today. If you're withholding yourself from receiving God's comfort because of something you've done or somehow you've sinned, you had a broken relationship, you did somebody wrong, you did something wrong, you did something bad, you squandered years, whatever it is, you can come clean today in repentance and God can comfort you in something you've been desiring comfort for 20 years 
that hasn't been touched. God can touch that today when you confess that, okay? Because God said he will clean us of that. And if it was nothing you did, sometimes things just happen, right? God is overseeing it all, but sometimes things happen. We get sick, we get in spots, we don't know how we got here, where we're suffering through something. I think the biggest question for that is, well, how will God comfort me? If I've just been given a diagnosis that it, it is terminal, unless I take action B, and I'm going for action B, and it's going to cost me a lot of insurance money, it's going to cost me uh, disfigurement, it's going to cost me pain, how is God going to comfort me unless he just heals me of it? Do you ever think that way? Well, it's either you got to heal me of it, or you didn't come through. You were disinterested. And it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes God will heal us of it. Sometimes he'll take us to be with him. Sometimes we got to walk through the valley, be it a relationship, be it an illness, be it a financial situation, whatever. But God can do it. He said he could cover everything, right? Earlier I said, how much? You were like, all, all, all tribulations with all comfort. He can cover it. You just got to stop it. Stop leaning on your own understanding. Okay, just stop it. We have freedom today to know that. Just stop it. You're trying to figure out how God's going to do it, and you're trying to tell him the best way to do it, and you're trying to figure out how he's going to comfort me in this, and you just let it go. You just clear your head and stop it. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your paths straight. Paul also told us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, submit your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So receive that one. Let that one flow over you. Stop trying to figure it out and just go with it. Trust God in this. Experience it. I'm not encouraging you to move too quick to healing, but you're learning a lesson that you can help somebody else with later also. I love it when somebody's going through something bad. How can you love that? I love it when you tell me, because once you're through your valley and you're back on the other side and the next person's stepping in that valley, I'm going, may I introduce you to this person? They just went through that. And they can tell you how God showed up for them. Okay? So receive God's comfort. Are you ready to do that? It's okay to do that. He wants us to do that. He wants to give you comfort, so receive it. Just receive it. He wants to give you encouragement, so just receive it. Don't hear the voices from the past putting you down, telling you stuff. Receive God's comfort and God's encouragement. And here's the last one, which we touched on earlier. Share God's comfort and encouragement. This is so easy to do. You don't have to go remember a scripture. You don't have to go spend any money on this. You don't even have to go do anything on this other than take advantage of the time you have with somebody and share comfort and encouragement with them. Because the opposite of compassion is indifference, hard-heartedness, and cruelty. We don't want to be that, do we? Okay? We want to be an inspirer. You want to inspire somebody into finding who they are in Christ. You want to be tender. You want to be kind with somebody. You want to cheer somebody on. And I can tell you there's no bigger cheerleaders for our kids than my wife and I. We cheer them on, but because we're too busy trying to parent at times, they may not be hearing it. And that's not okay. They still need to hear it. So it's the same in the church. All of you. All of us. But we can spot something we don't like, right? We can, we can complain about something. We could suggest something be done in a better way, and we think we're encouraging, and actually we're gloomy, and we're like Eeyore walking in. But God is calling us to higher places and higher things. So when you see somebody walk in the doors like, hey, you made it. I'm good to see you. I, I, I'm glad you're here. You, you look nice today. You really look nice today. Or I saw what you did the other day. I know nobody saw it, but I saw it. And I really thank you for doing that. We got somebody creeping in here before it's even sun up right now. Before I get here, coming in and doing stuff with the building on God's house. You know that? I mean, nobody knows who this person is. Nobody sees it. But I'm not even looking at them right now. Thank you. Good job for doing that. You're making a difference around here, and God sees it. Oh, how hard was that? Look at the person sitting next to you on either side. If you ain't got nobody next to you, look down the row. I'm not going on until you do it. I know some of you are not doing it. 
it's another person just like you who needs encouragement. Some of them are having a good day. Some are having a hellish day. And your good word could really encourage them. And that warms God's heart, and that's what God's all about. Okay? All right, so this area is going to be open. Roger's going to come up now for a time of response. We do not have communion today. We're doing it once a month right now. We had that last week. This area is going to be open. I encourage you always, if you want to come up and intercede from somebody, Paul said, helping us in prayer. You could come up here and help somebody in prayer. But if you're in a place where you need some comfort, you need some encouragement, and it could have been from 20 years ago, it could have been from five minutes ago, then this is a place to come up. So God, I want that comfort. You, you said it in the word. You've given us a promise. I want that comfort. And I know I messed it up. I brought some of this on myself, God. I, I confess it. I'm repenting of it. I'm sorry. I'm not going there again. And I need your comfort, God. And I'm having faith. My hope is in you. You're going to give me comfort. And if you have a hard time giving a good word to somebody, and some of us do, you want that anointing. You're like, God, I want you to remind me, Holy Spirit, I want you to remind me to let good things come out of my rotten mouth. Instead of all that negativity and stuff, I want to be, I'm going to be up here kneeling and praying for that one for myself. I want to be a breath of life to other people. I want to be able to see the good things and withhold always having to talk about what's wrong in the world. If you want something like that, you want some anointing like that, come down and pray. Now is the day. This is God's house. This is the word for today. And it's your time to act and receive. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. You are our Father. You are our Father. We're your children, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that everything that's happened in the world has been a means for us to question what we believe, what we do, who we are, who you are, and that we're moving through this, God. You've allowed us to go through it, and we're learning our dependency is not on all these other things. Our dependency is not on ourselves or what the world has to offer. Our dependency is only on you, God. We praise you for that. We know it's all worth it what we go through when we can grow closer to you through it. We pray for healing today in this house, God. We pray for healing from past hurts. We pray for people for deliverance and for freedom, Lord Jesus. We pray if anybody's not covered, if they, if they read this and they realize I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll prick their heart, search their minds, um, pull them forward. We're ready to work with you, God. That today could be the day of salvation for someone to give their life to you, Father, to receive what Jesus did on the cross, to cleanse them from all unrighteousness, to ensure that they're going to be there on that day of judgment that they're in. We pray, God, today. We pray for that. We continue to pray for that. We ask that healing and life will flow during this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.